Mr. O'Connell, can you look me in the eye and guarantee me that this isn't all some kind of a, a flim-flam? Because if it is, I am warning you, I will feel... You're warning me? Lady, let me put it this way. My whole damn garrison believed in this so much that without orders, they marched halfway across Libya and into Egypt to find that city. And when we got there, all we found was sand and blood. Folks, welcome to the Man Cave Movie Review, the podcast that reviews the good, the bad, and the ugly of movies for men. This is episode 106, and today we're going to be talking about The Mummy. This great fantastic film stars Brendan Fraser, John Hanna, Arnold Vosloo, and Rachel Wise. I am... Calm down. I am your host, Steve Michaels, and joining me is my very good and dear friend, Mark. Your strength gives me strength. Slower. Steve, for our listeners... They probably, you know, you 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 have you hear our voices. You kind of wonder, what do these guys look like? If you ever wondered what Jeff looks like, <laughs> well, just <laughs> if you're curious, just when you watch the movie The Mummy, just when you see Warden Hassan, <laughs> Jeff is a spitting image of Warden Hassan, and and like Warden Hassan, he's a stinky fellow. But he has good taste. Love you, Jeff. That's payback for Dirty Dozen. He does. He is a stinky fellow, but he has good taste, yes. And he snores. Oh, my God. Oh, he snores. <laughs> he snores and breaks wind. That's... <laughs> At the same time. Exactly. <laughs> uh, speaking of Jeff, uh, you little stinkweed Muncie, <laughs> unfortunately is not going to be here tonight because he is at a Cub Scout camp out jamboree type of thing and i asked him i said jeff i said i mean seriously i mean do you have to do this tonight is and he's like and jeff said that this is the last time that he has a chance of getting his tenderfoot badge you know he's only been working on it 30 years and this is this is the time he has to do it so good for him yeah that's why i told him i'm like you know what by the you know by the time you're you know 40 that you know aiden will probably be an eagle scout and you'll just be you know getting out of second class yeah second class second class there you go all right, our other very good dear friend, Ken, I don't like cats, Roni, <laughs> is having some major internet technical difficulties. I believe the NSA has been tapping his line and probably screwed something up. So he is trying to reconnect. So if you hear his voice just pop in at some given time during the show, that's why. We're actually kind of running behind time because uh, he's been having major internet issues. Uh, but anyway, that's the story there. So at this point in time, it is... Uh, Mark and me, the dynamic duo of this podcast. Your strength gives me strength. Oh, my God. Uh, and so anyway, guys, we're going to be talking about The Mummy. Now, this is the uh, this is the remake. This is not the uh, the old classic 1930s one with Boris Karloff. This is the one with Brendan Fraser from 1999, and I'm sure you figured that out when I gave you the uh, the actor list. And... Love this movie because all the, because all these actors are still alive. <laughs> yeah, because all these actors are still alive. Exactly. It, it's it's a fun movie. I remember seeing it. Uh, I I don't think I saw it in the theater. I think it was one of those that uh, ended up on cable. And I think actually I saw it with Deb, and we were uh, we had just moved in our house, or we'd been in our house for a couple of years. And I remember painting, and this came on. I don't know if it was HBO or one of the cable shows. And we started to watch it and just, and we stopped painting because the movie seems so much, you know, like a lot of fun. And even Deb loves this one. This is one of Deb's favorite movies. Uh, so 
Is it truly a man cave movie? I think so. But then again, my wife is not the typical type of female that watches chick flicks. She can watch movies like this and still have a good time. So there you go. But again, fun movie. I really enjoyed it. And, um, Mark, I, I mean, any comments before we kind of bring the folks up to speed as to what this great and fantastic film is about? Yeah, I'm like you. I, I went to the, I saw it in the movie theater. It was when I first was dating my lovely wife, Paige, and we went as a date because it's kind of that Raiders of the Lost Ark feel to it. And she, she liked it. She still, when she said, what are you guys doing tonight? I told her she giggled. She goes, Oh yeah, that was a fun date. It, it, it's a man cave movie, but you can take a date to it. Yep. And it is. So yeah, it's, I'm glad we're doing it. I'm yeah. glad we're doing it. Yeah. It is one of those movies. It is, it is clearly a man cave movie. I mean, you've got, well, God, we'll talk about, guns. we'll talk about the, the best list of guns. Yeah. We will talk about the armaments in this movie to death. But anyway. Uh, for those of you folks who don't know what this movie is about, here is the Man Cave movie review intro. To this I'm out. Movie. Cannon's on. All right. Cross your fingers, folks. We're bringing Ken in. See, the thing that is you got to understand, folks, Ken is running an Internet from, um, you know, the, the part of Indianapolis where they still have gerbils running the generators. <laughs> So pretty much they 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 probably you know one of the gerbils died so they're trying to they're trying to scrape up a sewer rat to uh <laughs> so uh yeah, my my 28 baud modem gets cracked <laughs> out on me You know Ken if you'd switch over from AOL <laughs> you got mail <laughs> There you go folks Ken is now joining the show so we are good to go so I am going to give everybody the uh, the man cave intro to this great and fantastic film serving in the French Foreign Legion on an archaeological dig at the ancient city of Hamanaptra accidentally awakens a mummy. I love the whole sand wall thing, you bastard. <laughs> You're killing me. <laughs> well, I have to say one thing, and that is, you know, something's been bothering me. You know, I'm sorry I'm late, guys. I had internet problems, but, you know, I'm trying to remember... What's the name of that guy that played the uh, Egyptian prison warden? You know, uh, I, mean, I remember his name. I, 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 I don't recall his name, but his fez was familiar. <laughs> Mark, that one's all yours. Uh, I'm not touching it. Okay. Nope. We already did that. Yeah, we already got that part. His name, Ken, his name is Jeff Muncy. Okay. Move on. <laughs> Or a little stinkweed. <laughs> all right, folks. Sorry for uh, all of that uh, chaos, but we are slaves to the technology of the day. So we are going to be talking about The Mummy and love this film. We got some good actors in here. One of those things where you actually kind of realize how young, or I'm sorry, how old this movie is, is it when you see like, you know, Brendan Fraser and some of the actors in this. But one thing that I do want to bring up, and Mark, I think you and I talked about this in the past, about this movie, is this really could have been the bridge to the Indiana Jones franchise. Yep, and they did a franchise, and it was sucky to mediocre. Yeah. What, what do you mean the bridge to the Indiana Jones franchise? I, you lost me there. Well, it could have been a, the, it could have been the 90s, early aughts version of Indiana Jones. Yeah. 
I mean, you could see because of the way this one was filmed. Folks, for those of you who have never seen this movie, when I, re- when I refer to it as being the bridge of, you know, to the Indiana Jones type movies, when you watch the old Indiana Jones movies, there was like a certain feel to it. Uh, and I think part of it is, at least for me and Mark, like I said, I think we're like brothers twice removed. So I think you may feel the same way. I think it's because of the era that it was set in. Mm-hmm. There's a, and the humor and the humor in this movie. Yeah. It's the humor. It's the era that it's set in. There's a certain look and feel to it. Like I said, he's not running around with a fedora or anything like that. And as a matter of fact, I think he's probably a little bit more hardcore, not as intellectual as Indiana Jones, but he gets the job done. And I think it's just one of those things where it could have been the next part of the franchise, not saying it's going to, you know, like come off of Indiana Jones, but at that point, Indiana Jones was done. I think all the Indiana Jones movies were over until, of course, they came out with that horrific Crystal Skull movie that I still can't get out of my head, but that's another podcast all of itself. This is something that could have picked up that that genre, and I think that was a thing. I think the Indiana Jones movies were almost like a genre. You know, like that back in the 20s, 30s. Well, it, was, it was a pulp movie throwback. Yeah. Yes, well said. Yeah, and it had a good feel about it. And then, of course... You know, I mean, you had a rash of, like, kinks, that, that old Richard Chamberlain's King Solomon's Mines. Oh, uh, God, there's a palate cleanser. I need a yeah, drink when you say that. I know. But, no, there's a rash of, like, 30s newsreel cinema type movies that popped up there in the eighties and late nineties and early nineties. But the thing of it is, is that they were bad. This was really well done. I thought this particular movie was really well done. And I think, well, we'll get into the trivia, but they actually said is like right after the first showing, you know, the, you know, the, all the producers called up or the studios called up the director and said, you got to get out there and make another one. And he did. And he did. And wow. I have to make a confession here, which is, when I sat down and watched this last night to get ready for the podcast, it was the first time I saw it. Really? Yeah. I never saw this. Uh, back when it came out in 99, I was in the middle of law school, and I was busy and had better things to do with my time. I just hardly saw any movies. So I didn't see this, didn't see it on cable or anything else back then. I remember maybe around, what, 2002 or so when The Mummy 2 came out, I can remember getting with Mark, and Mark's were like, yeah. oh, we got to go see this. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. The Mummy's great. And then I went to see Mummy 2, and I was like, this is a bunch of crap. I mean, I, it I, I, I Yeah. So, so I've never – this is my first viewing of The Mummy. Well, actually, now that you mention that, Ken, I want your thoughts. I mean, what did you think? Like you say, it draws deep on the Indiana Jones – 30s, 20s, 30s, archaeologist adventure with supernatural overtones sort of movie. If they had taken this and plugged Indiana Jones into it, it would have felt just natural as can be. Brandon Fraser and Rachel Weisz do a great job. I thought it was, you know, a fine movie. One thing that kind of bothered me was... This movie came out again in 99 when, you know, CGI had been coming along through the 90s and CGI was pretty mature by 99. And they threw a lot of CGI scenes into this to the point where I was just sort of thinking, okay, they're, okay, they're showing off. They're going, ooh, we can, we can do this cool scene. Let's just throw a cool scene in here. 
doesn't really make any sense for the movie, but we'll throw it in just to show we can. Another thing is, although I'm saying it's like an Indiana Jones movie, this is a little more cartoonish, a little more, I don't know, lighthearted, less thought out. I don't know what, you, what word you want to use for it, but it's still fun. It's a fun movie. After it had come out on DVD, I, I own it. And I sat my dad down to watch it, and my dad's 84 years old, going to be 85, God love him. He watched this movie, and he's kind of chuckling and laughing, and he looked at me, and he goes, you know what this reminds me of? I said, ah, you tell me. He goes, this reminds me of the Saturday serials I'd pay a nickel for. When I he'd go to the theater and watch those Saturday serials of how do we get out of this desperate moment kind yeah, of movie. Buck Rogers. Yeah. Things like yeah. that. No, that's, that's exactly, I mean, Lucas was very upfront about the fact that that's what Indiana Jones was. The Indiana Jones right. theater, was a, they're trying to say, you know, these old 30s adventure serials, you know, Jungle Jim, Tarzan, mm-hmm. you know, they used to crank those out every week. That's what this is. Yeah. And the reason I think I like this movie is because it is lighthearted and the actors, the actors got into that spirit. They understood their roles and it's, it's a popcorn movie, but it's lighthearted fun. It's an adventure movie. It doesn't have a message. It's just, we got a mummy we got to deal with. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's exactly it. And <laughs> that's and it's a yeah, it's a simple simple storyline. Yeah, we go we go to the desert, we wake up the mummy, got to deal with the mummy. Right. Which is basically the plot of the original mummy. I mean, I can remember as a little boy, like 6 years old, staying up late one night with my dad watching Sammy Terry as the original mummy. And I can remember just you know, being scared to death of that original mummy with the Tana Leafs and all that other stuff that went into it. And this is a good good homage to that original mummy. Well, you know what the other thing it reminds me of, and I'm really gonna date myself, and Ken, I think you'll you'll agree with me on this. It's it's got a Johnny Quest feel to it. Yes. I love Johnny Quest. I, oh, I do too. One of my favorites. But it does have that Johnny Quest kind of feel to it. Because they had a mummy episode with Johnny Quest. They did have a mummy episode yep. with Johnny Quest, and that mummy was scary. Yeah. Yeah, and Dr. Singh was not in that episode. No, the evil. That's the evil Dr. Singh. No, they need the, to do a Johnny Quest movie, damn it. They'd screw it up. Well, yeah. they, they probably would, but it would be awesome if they did. If they did it right. We like the movie. It's fun. Yeah. All right, guys. So let's talk about some of the actors in this one. Um, yeah, Brendan Fraser, he plays um, Richard O'Connell. And um, I don't think they ever actually call him anything but O'Connell in this movie. Uh, so when I actually, I think the first time I look at the IMDb, Filmography is like, oh, his name was uh, Rick O'Connell. I had no idea because that's all they ever called him was O'Connell. What else was Brendan Fraser in? I know I've seen him in stuff. I, I think I saw him in the movie with, uh, Christ, what the hell was her name? The hot British chick. Um, oh, God. She was the devil, and he was like some poor sap. Oh, you're, t- you're yeah, you're talking about, uh, oh, shoot. Oh, Bedazzle. 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 That was it. Yeah, with, uh, Elizabeth Hurley. Yes. <laughs> Brendan Fraser had been doing a lot of work, and then all of a sudden, around 96, 97, his 
you know, Hollywood status just took off. Yeah. And he got a string yeah. of good movies and did very well. Uh, you know, something you know, made me kind of sad when I saw it was earlier this week, you know, you have these random little stories that pop up on the internet news sites. And it was like, you know, 10 actors and actresses that are fading away. And they put Brandon Fraser in there. And I went, Brandon Fraser, is he fading away? And it's like, well, yeah, I guess he kind of is. He hasn't really done that much. I mean, he's busy, but he hasn't had a lot of success lately. And back right. then, 10, 12 years ago, he was doing a lot of good work. He's a likable guy, mm-hmm. has screen presence. Uh, I, I'm, I don't understand what, 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 what's happening with his career. I would have thought he would have gone on to bigger things, but he didn't quite make that jump. And, and you know, that's, the, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jeff. Uh, I was just going to say, in the movie he kind of got discovered in, and I like this movie, is Encino Man. Right. Yeah. And he's, he's, he is our, he's another Indianapolis connection. He was born in Indianapolis. He was? Oh, wow. Yep. I did yep. not know yes, that. He was. Oh, and he was in Gods and Monsters. That's a disturbing movie. It's it's a disturbing movie, but it's actually kind of interesting. Oh, it's a good movie. Yeah, it's a it's a good but, movie. But yeah, you're, yeah, he was born in Indianapolis. Yeah. But you're right, Ken. He he's one of those guys you thought the mummy was going to make him. And well, it he, wasn't that he didn't do well. I mean, he was getting no. a lot of roles. Well, I mean, when you look at his filmography, the guy's doing a lot of work. I mean, he's doing uh, oh, yeah. voice work or stuff like that, but it just seemed like he never hit that. I mean, for a, for a couple years, he was a headliner. Yeah. And, and, yeah. That and also, I wish, I mean, I love the guy. I think he's a great, you know, he brings presence to the screen. He's got a great personality. Yeah. He's, a, he's, he's the kind of guy you would like to have a beer with. And, yeah. And from what I've heard about him is if you walked up to him and said, hey, I'd like to have a beer with you and get your autograph, he would go have a beer with you and give you his autograph. From what I heard, he really? is, he, yeah, I, I, I've heard he is very, very devoted to his fans. It's like if you just go up, he's not like, you know, some of the others is like, ah, get away from me, whatever. He just, I mean, he just seems like a very down to earth type of guy. And I, and I do. I mean, I always like Brendan Fraser. I mean, I've seen him in other stuff. And yeah, it's it's kind of disappointing because it seemed like after this one was done, and I don't know, guys, maybe it was those damn sequels. Maybe when you start making sequels that just turn to shit, and that's like all of a sudden maybe you're you're like, all right, well, you, you get you kind of get typecasted as. I I think he I I think it's just that story that you know you hear about this and you know we it's not such a problem that you and I or you know, any of us have, but you've got to pick the right next project and i think the projects he did after this just weren't quite what it took to move him on to the next level yeah because i mean you see some where some of these guys come out of the woodwork and 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 they're on all these movies and they're on the top list it's like where the hell did they come from i mean an example brad pitt we just did true romance where he just played some stoner sucking on a bong the whole time and all of a sudden, in a few years, he's A-list. How do he make it? I mean, he's hate to say it, but Brandon Fraser and Brad Pitt are in the same league, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, yeah, I don't, I don't doubt that. Yeah. All right. Uh, one of the other people that are in this one that we have to talk about is uh, obviously uh, Mark's gonna prepare yourself. We're gonna talk about Rachel Weisz. Uh, she played Evie Carnahan, 
And Mark, let's get it out there right off the bat. I mean, you just thought she was smoking hot. Oh, she reminds me of an old girlfriend. Oh, see, that must funky, be funky, cute. Oh. I, th- I think I met that girlfriend once. I believe you did. Oh, yeah. Adorable, spunky. She didn't yeah. like me. <laughs> I wonder why. No, I'm just kidding. I would have put in a about- plug for Rachel Weiss. I mean, yes, she's great in this movie, but I'll put a plug in for her role in Enemy at the Gates. Yeah. Okay. I'll tell you what, guys. I'm just going to say it right off the bat, and I'm going to qualify this, so just bear with me. I remember when I watched her in this movie, I was just kind of like, I don't know, she ain't, she ain't blowing my skirt up. Kind of mousy, doesn't, you know, th- there was like nothing appealing about her, okay, throughout the entire movie. Now, I will say this, there's one thing I do remember about The Mummy 2, was her. Oh, that's the same girl? Wow. Smoking hot. She was hot in this movie. What's wrong with you? I thank, just... Thank you, Ken. Okay. Let's see. Ken? Do you agree that she's smoking hot and good in this movie? Yes. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Motion carried. Yeah, three three to one. You're outvoted, Steve. Wait a minute. Who, who's the third one? Because the last time I checked, there's only three of us here. And Jeff is voting in our favor. You know, I have a psychic link with Jeff. He would agree <laughs> with us. You know, I'm just going to throw this out there on a hunch that Jeff would say she's moderately attractive. Actually, you're right, he would. <laughs> so, I, I think we might be tied here right now. <laughs> no, Rachel Wise, she's done a lot of roles, been very busy as an actress. I mean, going back to the early 90s and up to this day. Don't get me wrong. She is unbelievably attractive. I mean, she is a very, very attractive uh, lady. It just, the way she looked in this one, and I don't know what it was. I think it was those, you know, those those 20-style glasses, the way her hair was. It's like, she just looked like this mousy librarian. And I'm not talking the hot mousy librarian, but the... What movie were you watching? She was the classic sexy librarian. What movie were you watching, Steve? All right, I'm sorry. I just I mean, have a, uh, let, let me let me set up a standard trope of movies and TV here, <laughs> and that is the sexy librarian trope. Mark, you'll agree with me. The sexy librarian can, trope hold on, is: can, can. here's a woman. She's in the library. She wears glasses. Her hair's all done up, and it's like, oh, she's kind of mousy. She's kind of you know, she how attractive is she really? And then she like shakes her head and her hair comes off and it's like and all of a sudden it's like oh my god she's smoking hot everything ken just said i second oh i i agree with ken but she was playing the classic movie sexy librarian by definition the sexy librarian is kind of frumpy and school marmish but you know just it just takes a little bit of something and all of a sudden boom she's hot well, and what I liked about her character in the movie, separate from the individual, was I liked the character that she was spunky. She wasn't the damsel in distress. No, she could hold. She could hold her own. Right. Well, she's, she's you the needed her to get the job in done. the movie. Right. Nothing would have happened if not for her. And she also causes the problems in the movie because she's <laughs> a little too smart for her own good. <laughs> it's all those bookworms. That's book smart. It. Book smart, not common sense smart. There you go. All right, other actors. 
Other actors. All right, let's talk. Actually, you know what? Let's talk about uh, Evie's brother, and that's John Hanna, who I love this movie. He plays Jonathan John Carnahan. And John Hanna, I've, I've not seen him in um, pretty much anything else other than this. The guy's busy. He's doing a lot of work. And um, uh, I'll tell you what. You know why I love this guy? Why? You, you know where he's from. Oh, God. Oh. No. Because yeah. he's from Scotland. And if it's all Scottish, it's crap. Yeah, he's uh, he was born on April 23rd, 1962 in East Kilbride, and I probably said that wrong for my Scottish friends, but uh, yeah, he was born in East Kilbride, Scotland. I was um, doing my research, and I went, I saw that, and went, oh shit, we're gonna have to put up with Steve doing his Scottish bro thing. Yeah, and he was John, yeah, and he was he was an apprentice electrician for four years, and he gave up his work as an electrician after being accepted to the Royal Scottish Academy of Music and Drama in Glasgow. You know where Glasgow is at? Yes. Scotland. <laughs> okay, I'm done. I just point I'm of just point kidding. of parliamentary procedure. <laughs> yes. Um, just just to clarify, if if memory serves, and unfortunately I was unable to make the last podcast, you didn't get to do that in the last podcast, did you? No, I didn't. I missed it. He had it bottled up. <laughs> I, I don't know if there was anybody from Scotland then there or not. I didn't even look. But I liked him in this role. He played the he is awesome. The bumbling brother who causes problems but is also a useful idiot mm-hmm. he is useful i mean oh yeah say, when, when push comes to shove when the chips are down he, he he delivers yep all right the other actor in this movie is arnold Vosloo or Vosloo, because uh i don't know Imhotep. yeah he's from pretoria south africa and i can't do a south african accent so uh, there you go but um, he has been in um, uh, he's been in several movies. Uh, busy guy. I mean, he's doing a bunch of stuff. But um, yeah, he plays Prince Emotep, who is uh, the mummy. Uh, but one other guy, I just I, I want to make a mention of him because I think the guy's pretty cool. I've seen him uh, in in several movies. And Mark and I talked about a little bit offline. Was Odette Fair? Uh, he played yes. Ardith Bay in this movie. And Odette Fair has been in. A bunch of the uh, uh, Resident Evil movies. That's where I've seen him. Yeah, yeah you're right. I didn't, he's a secu- I, I he's didn't a, hit me till just now. Yeah, he's a security guy. He's the yes. hero security guy. Yep, Umbrella Corp. Yep. Stars member. Yeah, I mean this guy is one of those when somebody says tall, dark, and handsome, that's that, just that's it's him. And there are two other actors I think we need to mention are Kevin O'Connor who plays Benny. Oh yeah. You know, you go, okay, who's Benny? Everybody, this is a guy who will never, he, Steve Buscemi will beat him out in all the movies that he wants to be in. <laughs> but you're right. If they put Steve Buscemi in that role, you would have th- felt like this role was made for Steve Buscemi. Right. And he's great as Benny in this movie, who is the weaselly guy who is starts as the sidekick for O'Connell and is then the guy who causes O'Connell nothing but headaches. And I think he's great in this movie. He, he's the comic relief in, in a, in a antagonist sort of way. Right. And then the other guy who is a huge character actor, you've seen him in a ton of stuff, is Eric Avari, who plays Dr. Terrence Bay. Oh yeah. He's in a ton of stuff. You'll go, who is he? Go, go pull him up, look at him, you'll go, 
I've seen him in something. Yeah. He's in everything. Yeah. Yeah. He's one of those guys. Like I said, if you, if you look at one of your home movies, he's probably in it. Yes. Great actor. He is a very busy actor. I've got, I mean, I got to throw in my actor that, uh, not that he had a lot of screen time, but Bernard Fox, who played Captain Winston Havelock. I remember this guy from back in the sixties when I was a little kid. I mean, he was in all sorts of stuff, but especially he was in Hogan's Heroes. Colonel Crittenden. Is Colonel Crittenden Hogan's Heroes. Uh, in this movie, he plays a, a RAF aviator, but he was like 65 or 70 years old when he did the role. I mean, he, you know, I got to say, alive. I mean, I got to hand it to the guy. He did a very good job with his little bit of time and, you know, he played his role in the whole big picture. And Ken, the other mo- the other TV series he was known for in the 60s was he was Dr. Bombay in Bewitched. Yes, in Bewitched, yes. Yeah, again, he, you know, date myself as an yep. old fart. But, yeah, back in the 60s and 70s, uh, Bernard Fox was a character actor that was in all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And, and it was still nice. around. It was a nice, it was very... I mean, it's one of those things that it warms your heart when you see a guy like that show up in a movie today because Mm -hmm. I haven't seen him for a while. Right. And and one other for Hot Factor, Steve, just for Hot Factor. Oh, yeah. Patricia Velasquez. Yeah. Who played A Knox on the Moon. (laughs) You thought she was attractive. Oh, she's, mm, mm mm-hmm, especially with the body paint. I don't care what they say out there. Ladies, take a look at this woman. This is what guys like. Oh my God. <laughs> Don't think you oh. have to starve yourself down to a stick. Look at this woman. This is what guys like. I'm just saying because I know there's a lot of ladies out there saying, I have to get thin. Uh, you, you know mm. what? Look at her. You're fine. You get this body. We're all over it. Uh, just don't get the body paint on there so I don't have to get killed by the Pharaoh. So I'm not a fan of the body paint. I know the, the ultimate warrior died this week, and I mean he was a big fan of body paint. It's like you don't need any body paint. But it looked good on her. It did. Yeah, I was fine oh, with it. Night. Yeah, I was fine with it. All right, guys, uh, favorite scenes. What do you think, Ken? Uh, if I've got to do a favorite scene, it's going to be. Oh man, I'm having a tough time thinking about it. Uh, I'll just say one thing that keeps popping out, which is. They have all these elaborate CGI scenes, which sticks in my mind. And I'm not saying those are my favorite scenes. They stick in my mind because, in my opinion, they're overdone. This movie overdoes the CGI just because they can. I'll say a favorite scene will be the French Foreign Legionnaires battling the desert nomads at the beginning. It sets the scene. It's a classic sort of scene. I've seen this in many, many movies before. Is it great? Is it like stand out? No, but it, it, you know, it delivers. Uh, th- this movie cuts and pastes a lot of classic old time film concepts. And that's a scene that translates over nicely. Mark, what did you think about that scene? I, 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 I know what Ken's talking about and I thought it was really good. I thought the, uh, the, the Legion waited way too long before they should have opened up, but yeah. that's a, that's a technical oh, yeah. issue there. <laughs> Well, that, that was yeah. my, and, and my then, only beef. I'll, I'll, I'll jump. I've got to jump on top of Mark here. All 
bolt action battle rifles of the early 1900s were built in the idea that we're going to start opening up at like a thousand yards range. Yards. Not, right. not wait till the whites of their eyes range. So yeah, they waited way too long to open fire. They could have mowed those Arabs down and ended that whole threat, but they didn't. And, and the Arabs on horseback with, and I love the, don't get me wrong. I, 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 I love the, uh, the German, the German carbines, but on horseback, they all fire a volley and they wipe out half of the uh, French in one shot. Yeah. You know, the, the, I can't miss, but I do like the scene, but I still kind of go, okay. Yeah. We're all stormtroopers here on the French foreign legion side. And I know why we're supposed to be stormtroopers. Even in the old Bo Jest movies, they had a Maxim gun. A Maxim gun would have oh, ended yeah. it. It would have ended it. But right. then, like, what good would that have but done? Wouldn't have had a it movie. would have ruined the movie. Right. right. And, and that scene was right. pure Hollywood. So, I mean, you just go, oh, with, yeah. it's pure Hollywood. And you enjoyed it. It's like, right. whatever. But the flip side of it is, I love, there's some great little vignettes in there where um, Brendan Fraser's character, O'Connell, He's rip. He's pulling that bolt action on that label, and he's got a round sticking in his mouth. I I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. We all know what what bothers us, but you have to have it to get where you need to go. Right. Your favorite scene. What do you think? Yeah, my favorite scene in the entire movie is everything that happens on the Nile River steamer. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just love. Everything that takes place on the Nile River steamer. We get all the different parties together that are going to Hominoptera. Benny gets reunited with, with O'Connell. We, we have the whole issue of, then we have the, the Arabs who are guarding the, or the Egyptians or the guardians. They appear. It, it sets us to the next stage, but I just love, and I love some of the great lines and one of my favorite favorite scenes is the bit where o'connell and rachel wise's character evie are coming out of her room and there's a guy firing at <laughs> o'connell and his rounds are punching through and she pulls him away just in the nick of time that is a great little reason, scene it is I, I just love everything about the river steamer right up to the end where benny is screaming at O'Connell from the other side of the Nile River. <laughs> now I've got those clips. We got it's going to be a clip fest, folks. Just wait. Yeah. What about you, Steve? I'll tell you what. Uh, one of them is just like you said. The Nile River uh, uh, steamer scene is is just great because it's just so action packed. There's a lot of action going on, and it's really well done. The music really fits in there, and we're going to talk about soundtrack in a bit, folks. Wait. The other part that I really did enjoy was really kind of at the end was the whole showdown with the mummy. I just thought it was really well done. And, and Ken, I, I, I know, I, I understand what you're saying about the CGI. And I think here's the thing, you know, CGI was really at this point, I, I don't want to say it was hitting its peak, but it was, it was new. It was very new. I mean, everybody was starting to experiment with it. And I think it was just, yeah, if you can do it, make it work. Because I think if you had to do those, uh, uh, 
shit, those high priest guards, uh, you know, the ones that were coming after O'Connell. Right. I mean, if you had right. to have guys, I mean, there were sometimes you would, you could tell it was a guy in a rubber suit. It would just look terrible. But with CGI, it's like, it looks good. And I think that's what they started realizing is that we can make it look better with, you know, the computer graphic imaging than we could in reality. Because in reality, if you're not doing the camera angle right or whatever, oh yeah, it's just a guy in a rubber suit. But with CGI, it looks awesome. And I think that was it. I think this is where we've gotten. And I think maybe one of the reasons that you really kind of notice it now is because it really hadn't been perfected yet. And they did a lot of it in this movie. Oh, of course they did. Like That's, I said, they, they overdid it. That, that was, they could have toned it down a notch and then I wouldn't have bought, I wouldn't, it wouldn't bug me. Well, I think it's just something that we're just going to have to live with. I think it is just the nature of, you know, movies today. Well, shit. I mean, you know, you go watch any superhero movie. It's CGI. When we go well, to see, when we go to see Godzilla with Jeff, when we're, you know, because we have to go there to hold him down. Oh God. Because really? there's, I have to come up for that, huh? You may have to because we we're gonna have to. We, we, it is we're gonna be walking in there. He's gonna be in a straitjacket. Hey, I, <laughs> I saw Captain America with him, and he was very balanced and normal. But that was Captain. That's not America. Godzilla. Yeah, this is you know Captain America wasn't a giant lizard monster destroying his city. That's one thing. If he's in there by himself, my God, can you imagine what's gonna happen? We're going to have to hit him with 200 cc's of Thorazine. <laughs> well, I have to say, if, if it's on at that studio movie grill that we went to, that's an awesome establishment. You got a full bar. You got good pub food. They bring it right to you while you watch the movie. It's awesome. I might have to get a cab for that. Okay, right. we, we need to, you need to check this place out, Steve. It's right I, down I, the road. I will. I definitely will. Uh, all right, guys, uh, we are done with scenes. Let's move on to, uh, I'm going to do a little bit of trivia and then we're going to move on to, uh, brother, what you drinking. So there's, a, there's some trivia here that we have to mention because it's pretty good with the exception of a loincloth and a few pieces of jewelry. Patricia Velasquez. Did I say that right? Velasquez? No. Velasquez. Velasquez. <laughs> My apologies to our Spanish speaking friends. Her costume consists entirely of body paint, which took 14 hours to apply. Good thing I was narrowed to probably taking 48 hours, but that's just me. <clears throat> All right. Uh, the library disaster was done in one take. It would have taken an entire day to reshoot if a mistake had been made. Oh, I like this part. Uh, the white nightgown that Evelyn wore when the ship was attacked became transparent when it got wet and had to be digitally painted white during post-production so the film could, pe- <laughs> so the film could keep its PG rating. You know, I'm, I'm going to jump in here and say... That bothered me. Okay, we throw her overboard in this flimsy nightgown, mm-hmm. and then she comes out on the beach. I'm going, I, I'm, I'll end it there. I'll just like, what? Yeah, and you know what I have to say to the the uh, rating people about that? You have failed me for the last time. <laughs> According to the director, Stephen Summers, Universal phoned him in the morning after the movie was released and said, we need another one. Uh, right after? Right after. Wow. Yeah. They didn't even wait. They just said, we need another movie. Uh, the Magi were supposedly supposed to be tattooed from head to toe, but Stephen Summers vetoed against it because he thought Odin Fair was too good looking to be covered up. I have to agree with that. Yeah, Odin Fair is yeah, uh, a good looking guy. Like I said, if you say tall, dark, and handsome, that's your man. 
you oh. know, and he's a good actor. I wish he got some more roles because I, I like him in every movie I've seen him in. Yeah, he yep. is. He's a good actor. Uh, Brendan Fraser passed out while filming because the noose around his neck was too tight. Don't they have a hook or something there that, I mean, wow. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Director Steven Summers came up with the gag of Evelyn saving Rick from two gunshots on the burning boat the night before the filming, uh, before they filmed the scene. Love so that, that scene. That, it's a great little scene because it's kind of look on Brendan Fraser's face is like, <laughs> shit, this broad just saved my ass. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and real quick, just as an aside, Brendan Fraser has great facial expressions. Oh my gosh. There's a yes. scene when they're on the airplane. How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Do I look like I'm bloody well doing well? <laughs> but then he goes to Oded Ferrer. How you doing? And Oded's having a good this- time. He's just, like, oh my it, God. It goes back. I mean, Brendan Fraser is a, he's a good actor with great presence. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Uh, the line, think of my children given by Benny in the scene aboard the riverboat was ad-libbed. I, I can identify with that. <laughs> amongst you've the, got amongst my teeth. fellow podcasters, it's like, yeah, I mean, I don't have any children, but one of these days, I might. Uh, but Ken, yes. your dental hygiene is much better. Even if I didn't exactly. brush my teeth for two years, it would be his. <laughs> That gets me. How do actors break into major roles and get a lot of, you know, actor acclaim when they haven't brushed their teeth for 10 years? <laughs> we see this over and over. I guess it's an, it's, it must be a European thing. All right. I'm calling bullshit on this particular uh, piece of trivia. Before Brendan Fraser, the role of Rick O'Connell was offered to Sylvester Stallone. Uh, yeah, Evie, yeah. Well, it wasn't just offered to him. It was offered to like half a dozen A-list guys back in that day. Yeah, and they all would have sucked. Yeah. Who, who ben else? Affleck? Was, who, 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 ben Affleck? Uh, God, what the hell was it? I just passed it up. It was, um. Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise? No, it was uh, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Chris O'Connell, and Matthew McConaughey were considered for the role of Rick O'Connell. This is one of those movies, now that we see it, Brendan Fraser, you know, he's the guy for it. Yeah. yeah. Now, I, I could have seen Matthew McConaughey. Uh, of any of them, yes. Yeah. I'll go that far. Of, of those four, well, like, right off the bat, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, you know what, go write movies or do something, but you guys can't act your way out of a wet paper bag. I have never seen a single movie of either of them where I've even seen anything remotely resembling acting talent. I kind of like The Great Gatsby. I saw that recently. Well, I don't know. Which one of them was in it? Affleck wasn't in it. Oh, okay. I'll back up. That's Leonardo DiCaprio. Sorry. To be honest with you, now there's a guy that actually knows how to act. Right. He may not like his politics or whatever, but at least he's a good actor. He can actually act. He is. He's, he's good in The Aviator. Yeah. And I'll tell you the what. The Aviator what, is a great movie. I'll tell you, the best movie I ever saw him in was The Departed. Oh, oh yeah. my God. I mean, it, 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 it's, I mean, it's a hard movie to watch, but I mean, you okay, want to Okay. are we putting that on the list? Yes. Well, we'll get it on there. All right, guys. That is it with uh, trivia. Let us move on to Brother What You Drinking. Mark, I'm going to kick it off to you. All right. I, uh, Went to my favorite liquor store. You both know it. You've done the Hodge to the liquor store. Liquor bar. 
Wonderful. Thank you. You guys need to come down here. I got a new game you guys have got to play. We got to get together. It's a, it's a space conquest game called, I think, Infinity. I'll, I'll send you a link. And every drop. I, I was just sitting the other day thinking like, it's time for me. It probably, I need to run down and pull we, you we, away from the family commitments for a, well, I, I got two more weeks to feel, fill my, I've got to get my thesis done this week and next week. And then I'm a free man and Good. I'll send you guys a copy. But anyway, back to the show, picked up a beer. I've really fallen in love with this brewery. I went out last fall with my kids to uh, St. Louis, took them to the city museum. If you've never been to the city museum in St. Louis, it is an incredible experience for all ages. Uh, go look it up, go look up the city museum. But we went to, we went out to St. Louis and had a little mini vacation. And there's a very good brewery out there called Schlafly's. They have a new beer out, Steve. It's a seasonal limited okay. release. It is called the Schlafly's Golden Ale. It is a Belgian style, probably along the lines of a double, not a triple. And I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the Belgian style, mm-hmm. but this limited release is outstanding. It's an ale, so it's really not a double or a double. It's golden ale, so it is an ale. It has a very nice little bit of a, oh God, how do I want to describe it? Kind of a fruity, not fruity as in sickly sweet, but it's got a, Nice front end, refreshing, and then it it changes on the back end. Its complexion changes to a nice, crisp, um, almost almost Pilsner-esque. Not a lot of hops, but it has a real nice, crisp back end to it. It's a pretty um, amber color, not too dark ale, and it's called Schlafly's Golden Ale. Not a, not a real dark amber but a pretty color to it nice flavor great slightly fruity front end with a pale not a hoppy pale ale but you know what i mean steve by a pale ale kind of back end yeah really good beer um it's a limited release special release called schlafly's golden ale belgian style um just must have just come out probably a spring release highly recommend it and it weighs in at um, a respectable seven alcohol content, nice. but, uh, yeah, Schlafly's out of, um, St. Louis is moving up the list for me of one of those go-to beers that I kind of like, um, uh, Bell's mm-hmm. that I know I can buy it. You know, you can buy a Schlafly's and you're not going to get burned. So if you can find it, I really recommend it. I think you'd like it as a spring beer. I will definitely check that out. So that's my beer. Cool. Nice. I was, uh debating on what the heck I was going to get tonight. be honest with you, I really couldn't find anything that was like blowing my skirt up at the liquor store. So I'm like, what the hell am I supposed to get? So I, honestly, guys, this one I've had before, kind of went with one of my old fallbacks, it is the uh, the Arrogant Bastard Ale by my good friends at the Stone Brewing Company. Mm-hmm. And it is, um, it's a hoppy one. Uh, this thing will uh, kick your teeth in. Like I said, if you like hoppy beers, it, it's it's good. Uh, they've got some other stuff out there. I highly recommend, um, uh, during, actually, I, to be honest with you, it was still cool enough. I probably should have got the smoke porter. I haven't had that in a while, but, uh, but the Arrogant Mastered Ale, it's good. It's got a kick to it. It comes in at a respectable 
7.2% uh, alcohol by volume. So, you know, a few of these, you're going to be feeling it after that. Uh, so, I mean, you know, good stuff. I know I've reviewed it before, but, you know, there's there's some of those weekends where it's like, oh, what the hell am I supposed to get? You know, I'm not, not in the mood for a big six-pack, but I need something that's going to kind of carry me through the show. So I get one of the big bottles, and um, mm-hmm. Stone typically is uh, going to be one of my uh, fallbacks if I can't find something new and different to uh, to share. I will say, though, and mainly this is for Jeff, I actually did see they still had some of the uh, Hopping Frog Pumpkin Ale still Ugh. sitting in the shelf. I don't know how good it would be at this point, but uh, yeah. it's still there. Maybe it ages well. Who knows? You know, overall, you can't go wrong with the Stone guys. I mean, they put out very, very, very good stuff. And I know I touted them on this show before. Like I said, I'm not on their payroll or anything. It's just I, I like good beer, and they make good beer. So that's it. That's what I'm having. So, and last... And certainly not least. It's now time for Catching Up with Ken. Well, since it's Catching Up with me, last week I didn't have much report. Don't have a whole lot this week. Can report that back last Saturday I went to the casino and I was able to sit down in front of the Lord of the Rings penny slots machine that really paid off for me the last time I went there. It let me down this time. Did you look into the Palantir against Saruman this time? (laughs) Well, the cave troll bonus round just didn't come up enough. Last time that cave troll showed up, I got like 70 bucks worth of pennies. This time, Saruman did show up, but Saruman didn't deliver. So the casino is always fun. Again, I went there basically, but mom likes to go to the casino. I'll run down to the casino with mom once in a while. An interesting uh, beer-related phenomenon I noticed was uh, on Tuesday, I went down to Tell City, Indiana, which is a old Riverport town on the Ohio River. Uh, nice town. Lots of friendly people. Went to a nice restaurant and such. But uh, they were very proud of the fact that they're getting two brew pubs. So I'm thinking, like, good for them. I mean, more, more quality local beer, the better. So the brew pub movement continues and is growing down in southern Indiana. I can report that tonight I stopped off at the Brass Ring Pub uh, down in Fountain Square. I finished up the uh, workout at the gym and had to kill some time. So I stopped. I was thinking about going to the Fountain Square Brewery. They're having a fundraiser, but I couldn't find a parking spot. So I wound up going over to Brass Ring. And Brass Ring is a very cool uh, sort of Art Deco-ish, uh, 30s, 40s, 50-ish vibe sort of bar. Uh, very cool bar. Had a couple drinks. Went to a friend's party, uh, Amy and Ryan, a uh, couple I know, they were throwing a party. Very nice party, had a great time. First class uh, hors d'oeuvres and things of that sort. But sad to say I had to bail out and come to join you guys for the podcast. Uh, I love the podcast. I hate the internet access problems I ran into tonight. But otherwise, that's it for catching up with me. Uh, Fair week, nothing uh, tremendous, but, uh, oh, in terms of beverages, oh, I left out one thing. I did go uh, Wednesday to a 
wine, beer, cheese, and specialty foods market called Goose the Market. It's up on the old north side. Hmm. And uh, Goose the Market evidently has a periodic, you know, tastings event, which uh, Amy and Ryan, the couple I just talked to, they invited me to tag along with them. And uh, when I went there on Wednesday, they're having a Bach beer tasting. And I can report that the two Bachs that I truly enjoyed out of what they had, one was by Rogue. And the Rogue Bach was very good, a uh, hefty beer. Mm-hmm. There was another one, and I, I, I feel bad. I don't remember the name of the brewery, but it was a, it was out of Brooklyn, New York, and it was their silver anniversary version of a Bach. And it was very nice. Tonight, all I've been drinking is vanilla vodka and Diet Coke. Nice. Uh, Ken, you know what you mentioned about some of the brew pubs down in Southern Indiana? That is becoming, I think, I don't know if it's just if it's something that's a national craze right now, but there's there's actually two new ones that are going to be opening up up here in Westfield, and it seems like they're just popping up everywhere. It's like everybody's yeah. opening up a brew pub. There's a as a matter of fact, there was one. Gosh, I'm trying to remember the name of it. I saw it in the uh, uh, the Indiana or I'm sorry, the Indianapolis Business Journal. There's some guy, I think he's calling it Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. It's some uh, Marine. <laughs> yeah, some former. I like that. Yeah, he's opening up his own place. Uh, and I thought he, I thought I read Fountain Square, but I could have gotten that confused from somewhere else. But there's a bunch of guys that are just opening up brew pubs everywhere. And like I said, this one, it's called Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. It sounds like a cool place. I'm I'm eager to try it once it opens. If it's not already open, I don't have the details. It's just something I, you know. Hey, I just, when, when you want to go, let me know. All right. Yeah, it's just one of those things I glanced over, and it just seems like that's something that is really, really booming in the Indianapolis, and I think maybe the whole Indiana area. As a matter of fact, even up in my old hometown from Valparaiso, I mean, there's, you know, my mom was even saying, you know, there's this brew pub that opened. I'm like, a brew pub in Valparaiso? What the hell is going on up there? And she's like, there's all these little places opening up, and it's just, it's amazing to me because I, you know, Indiana's not that big of a state. I'm like, can can Well, I'm going to say this, and I haven't studied it, but from what I can tell, Number one, there is a demand for good beer. And number two, evidently, the cost of getting into a micro, to buying the equipment to set up a microbrewery and such is low enough that a couple guys, no, I shouldn't, I say guy, you know, couple people throwing their savings, their resources and, you know, credit together, they can pull it off still. I mean, there's a lot of types of businesses that the average guy can't get into. Right. But a brew pub evidently is one where you still can, if you got a dream and you were willing to work hard at it and put your time in and, you know, put a little bit of risk, you can do it. Okay. You know, we're way off track. So let's get. Yes, we are. (laughs) All right, folks. That is it with Brother What You're Drinking. And uh, we are now moving on to clips. Clips are our favorite part of the show. And we've got a boatload of these guys. And as a matter of fact, I have to cut back on the ones that we did. So, uh, number one, this is what I refer to Mark's favorite line of the movie. Daddy! You're with me on this one, right? Oh, your strength gives me strength. <laughs> I say that to you every time pre-show. We do. We do. <laughs> oh, gosh. 
All right, this is number two. This is what I call the uh, Jeff Muncy quote of the movie. Look at this. Sons of the Pharaoh. Jimmy frogs, flies, locusts, anything but you. Compared to you, the other plagues were a joy. I'm so very sorry. It was an accident. Darling girl, when Ramses destroyed Syria, that was an accident. You are a catastrophe. And the best part is you got to see his expression. <laughs> yes. I just love the part where he says, compared to you, the other plagues were a joy. <laughs> <laughs> when Ramses destroyed Syria, that was an accident. Oh, my God. That guy. I love that dude. He is awesome in these in these uh, these type of movies. But no, I just I, I actually named that uh, particular uh, sound clip uh, Jeff Muncie. I don't know why, but that's just... Oh, penny on a rail, Syria, yeah. plagues. Knocking over bookcases. That's pretty much so. All right, number three. Many men have wasted their lives in the foolish pursuit of Hamanatra. No one's ever found it. Most have never returned. Scary. Okay, I like this one. This is um first... Th- no, excuse me. <coughs> excuse me. Yeah. Hiccup. All right, uh, this is the first time you hear Brendan Fraser. Any last requests, pig? Yeah, loosen the knot and let me go. Yeah, man. Of course we don't let him go. And that was Jeff Muncy. That was Jeff Muncy again. Oh, gosh. All right, guys. Like I said, his fez is familiar. Yeah, I was going to say, we, you know, guys, we have to get him a fez. At some point, and he has to wear it at Gen Con. He'd he, look good in a fez. He would look good in a fez. All right, guys, I'm just putting this one down here right now. And, folks, all you guys out there listening and girls who enjoy our show, I know there's a few of you out there. I named this particular clip the classic man cave movie review line, at least of this year, if not of all time. By the way, why did you kiss me? <laughs> no, I was about to be hanged. It seemed like a good idea at the time. What? What'd I say? If you've been married long enough, pretty much. I rest my case. You you almost can't get more man cave movie than that. I, I'm a single guy, and I mean, I'm thinking like, what's wrong with that? That's to me. Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Don't think we're even remotely similar. So, well, you know why? I learned this a long time ago. Speaking of that statement, we used to live on Venus, but they nagged our ass off. So we moved (laughs) not to Earth. We went over another planet. Statements like that is where it always makes me go like, maybe being single isn't so bad. (laughs) Ken, what did I say? All right, Ken, here you go. This is for you. Well, if it ain't my little buddy, Benny, I think I'll kill you. Think of my children. You don't have any children. Someday I might. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) That's me. (laughs) I like to think I'm less whiny and smarmy, but I'm probably not. Yeah. No, you are. No, you're not even. No. No. Nobody Uh, can be as whiny and smarmy as Betty. This is actually, you know what, for you ladies out there that are 
uh, listening to our show, and I know there's a few of you out there, you'll appreciate this because this is exactly what every guy tells his wife when they go on a road trip and they get lost. Relax, I'm the map. It's all up here. Oh, that's comforting. <laughs> See? Yep. Ladies, I want to hear from you. How many times have you ever heard that from your uh, spouse or significant other? Brilliant, Steve. Yep, there very is. All right, uh, I like this clip. You're going to hear one line in the entire clip, but when you hear the whole thing, it will make sense. Americans. <laughs> the only guys having a good time on the firefight are the Americans. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're, they're just blazing away. <laughs> Be there all night. <laughs> yeah, it's like we got ammo to spare. <laughs> yep. Oh gosh. All right. This is, uh, in, in, as a matter of fact, gentlemen, uh, my daughter, who loves this movie, said, "I hope you have the wrong side of the river quote in this." So here we go. Volcano! It looks to me like I've got all the horses. Hey, Benny! Looks to me like you're on the wrong side of the river! <laughs> and the reason this movie works is because of the way Brendan Fraser, his facial expressions, his delivery of lines, he's perfect for it. Oh my god, no one else could do it better than he could. He, he's got a very animated face, too. Yes, yes. Yeah, I've got to agree, to again, the- I commented on it earlier, he's... Of all the people out there at, you know, what, 1999, I mean, he, he was the guy, th- this move, this role was made for him. Oh, absolutely. All right. This is number 10, and this is another homage to our very good and dear friend, uh, Jeff Muncie. Glenn Livett, 12 years old. Well, he may have been a stinky fellow, but he had good taste. <laughs> Love you, Jeff. Love you, Jeff. This is what happens when you don't show up, but. <laughs> I, I, where was that drink from? <laughs> oh, Glenn Livett. It's uh, oh no, only one, uh, only one per night. That's I. I yeah, can't. Don't, 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 don't. I'm just poking the bear. <laughs> you are. Don't just do poke. that. Are there bears in Scotland? Move on. Okay. All right. This is uh, actually, you know, this is the quote for a lot of our listeners out there. I'm sure some of you guys uh, and ladies, uh, the few of you out there that listen to our show, sometimes have this feeling. As uh, you listen, I just wish I could have chucked it in with the others and gone down in flame and glory instead of sitting around here rotting of boredom and booze. Just. <laughs> I say that every night when I do this podcast. I know. I'm just thinking. It's like if you're like that, God, can you imagine the people that listen to the show? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Uh, guys, all right. I love this one here. One of the great, uh, great lines. And we didn't talk about it, but you know, great writing in this movie because, uh, this is, uh, one part of it. So what's your little problem got to do with His Majesty's Royal Air Corps? Not a damn thing. Is it dangerous? Well, you probably won't live through it. Right, Joe. Do you really think so? Well, everybody else we bumped into has died. Why not you? <laughs> <laughs> It's so matter-of-fact. It's so dry. It is. It, like I said that was Bernard Fox again as the yeah. Royal Air Corps captain. 
<sighs> and the best a stereotype. Part is he's, he's sitting in a dune and he's got his little sidekick holding the big umbrella. But he's got that Victrola playing his music. Yeah. He's got nothing to do. Yeah, he's just sitting there. He is the one lone RAF officer in Egypt. Oh, that's great. All right. The last and certainly not least, I think this might be a record for Eclipse, but I, I'm not sure. But here we go. I love the whole sand wall trick. It was beautiful. He's bastard. <laughs> that's Benny. I love Benny. That's Benny again. Benny. Well, really, I mean, would you guys agree with me that before he played this movie, he like watched Casablanca 50 times and get Peter Vorey's expressions down right. You know, Ken, I think you're right. I think you are absolutely right. You hit it because he's got the fez. He's got that little, uh, that little pencil mustache going. I, you might have hit on something there. I think, I think they were deliberate. They went said like, look, you're going to be Peter Laurie. Yeah. Just, just don't say reek, reek. Where are the exit visas? Reek. Another man cave movie, a quintessential man cave movie. Quintessential, and that would definitely be the oldest of the man cave movies that we've ever done. I'm ready anytime you are. Oh, that is a great movie. You know, let's, uh, it's getting on. Oh my God. Put it on the list, Steve. Yeah, definitely on the list. You need need to just. What Steve needs is an 8x12 whiteboard behind his recording stand so he can start jotting all this stuff down. I do. Actually, you know what? I think I've got room. I could probably put one up. I think you need to do this, Steve. You're letting the viewers or listeners down. I should. Get on it, Steve. It's Okay, whiteboard tomorrow. All right, folks, that is it with clips. We are now moving on to the Man Cave Movie Review Checklist of this great and fantastic film. Number one. Did anyone jump out of a window? Yes. Benny. Benny goes through a window when he's escaping in O'Connell. Yep, absolutely. You're right. And actually, the mummy actually, goes out a window. Hotep goes through a window, but from the outside, yep. jumping in. Yep. Yeah, so Benny went out the window. The The mummy um, came through the window. Hmm. Anything else? I think that's it for windows. That's it for windows. Yeah, I think so. This is number two of the checklist. If you want him, come and claim him. Was it a Liv Tyler role in the movie? I would say no. No. There's really only two female roles in this movie, would you agree? Yes. Yeah. And, and they're, they're both necessary. Yeah, and they're both necessary. So, yeah, so they're good. Yeah, there's no Liv Tyler role in the movie. So we're good there. Uh, let's see. Number three. Could the female role be better played by Tawny Katane? Let's see, 99, Tawny would have been 30. Better? No. She could have been a played, probably. She could have played an ox in the moon. Yes. Yes. She couldn't take over the Rachel Weiss role. Nah. No, but an ox in the moon she could have played. Oh. Yeah, because basically all you have to be for that role is hot. Yeah. Right. Yes. I would agree. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, number four. Uh, was there an AT montage in this movie? This is one of those many movies where I think Steve would say that half the movie is an AT montage. 
I would differ because, again, for me, the 18 montage definition is we go into some room, we cobble together a tank out of propane tanks and a you know riding lawnmower or something. And I don't think there is. But Steve may differ. Mark, do you have a thought on this? Or? I will. I will throw this out for a ruling. How is that? Okay. An A-team moment is the cat. Oh. When when O'Connell shows up with the cat and throw the whole cat thing about you, he's afraid of cats and O'Connell grabs the cat and throws it at Imhotep. That's an improvised weapon. That would be my A-team moment. I throw it to the mercy of the court. I think you got it. When I think of uh, montages, it's more of that, the different scenes kind of blending in and stuff like that. I'm not that. I think what you were getting more is more of a MacGyver moment. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I, I'm seeing the, uh, you know, to me, the montage is more of we're making a very long period of time look very short by doing this. I don't know. I will rule no, but that's just me. You guys can vote your way in. Well, if you're going with that definition, I think the several scenes of them like getting on a camel and riding off into the desert are montages because they just want to ride along. You can tell they're supposed to be out there for like weeks on end, but, you know, it's only a couple minutes of screen time. But is there an A-team montage? Probably I say no. I'd say no. Yeah, I don't, I'm not seeing it. All right. So, uh, no montage there. Last and certainly not least. And so it begins. Was there a Babylon 5 reference in this movie? Yes. Oh, really? Oh, talk to me because, you know, I looked because I figured, you know, because Mr. Tenderfoot is out there, you know, still probably trying to light a fire rubbing two, uh, two toys together. And, um, I looked and I didn't find anything, but Mark, I am curious. Please share with us. The episode is season three of Babylon five. The episode's name is And Rock Cried Out No Hiding Place. Uh huh. Remember that one? It is when the different religious um, leaders show up and Eric Avare, who plays Dr. Bay in this movie, who is the Egyptologist, plays Rabbi Leo Myers in The Rock Cried Out, No Hiding Place. Wow, Mark, very well done. I feel remiss. How the hell did I miss that? Because he, the dude's in everything. He was in a B5 movie. Hey, Steve, just plug in the old Darth Vader. You have failed me, Thank Clip, you. for yourself this time. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. There you oh, go. Oh, Nice. Very well done. Like that. Because I'm sitting there searching, and I don't know. I must have went right past him or something. Think, oh, he's not in there. But you're absolutely right. As soon as you said that, I went, oh, my God, it's him. Yep, I remember that now that you mention it. There was it, the Baptist minister and I think a – Well, yeah, a, Father, uh, or Brother Theo. Yeah, Brother Theo. Well, no, no, no. There, now there was a Baptist minister also, an African-American Baptist minister. Yeah, yeah they all showed Buddhist up and bunk. Brother – Yes, and Brother Theo was rolling his eyes about the Baptist minister, and and Eric Avari played Rabbi Theo Myers, who was the 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 middle of the road thoughtful guy, right, of all the religious leaders. Yep. And I'll tell you what, that is one of the better episodes of Beat Five. Well, 
All season three is just outstanding. Yeah, season three, folks. I mean, we're going to get on a little B five kick here, but if you've never seen the in the series, uh, you know it's older. It's early nineties to you know mid nineties, but the story arc is great. It's it, it, you know some of the writing. The first season's a little rough. After that, it really takes off. Season three is like the greatest season, and that is season three and four. Yeah, yep. season four. The or that's where it really kicks off. And that is a really great episode. That's yep. I, I, now I want to go pop that in. Wow! There you go. There you go. Nice, Mark. Very well done. Actually, you know what? We're, you're, you're bypassing Tenderfoot. You're going right up the first class here. Oh, you are. You are such a gentleman. I should be because you know what? You were here to do it. While, uh, uh, and I'm sure you know how to make a fire without rubbing two sticks together too. So yeah, but if I rub two Muncies together, I'll uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll create Greek fire. <laughs> Oh gosh. All right. That folks, that is it with the, uh, the man cave movie review checklist and some of our uh, B5 love on. So we are going to close this bad boy out with. No, 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 no. You need to give us your thoughts on music. Oh shit. I forgot. I'm sorry. Last but certainly not least, we have to, uh, we have to make a uh, comment about the soundtrack of this movie. And, uh, folks, for those of you who've been listening to us from like the early days, and I kind of cringe a little bit when I listen to the uh, <clears throat> the Thirteenth Warrior sound, uh, the Thirteenth Warrior podcast because I imbibed a little bit too much on that show and uh, uh, suffered a little bit. But it was a good show. Jerry Goldsmith did the music for this movie, and he also did the mo- uh, the music for the Thirteenth Warrior. I remember when I first started watching this movie, I was like, "Wow, that music sounds really familiar." Oh, that's Jerry Goldsmith. There's a very distinctive quality to Jerry Goldsmith's music. And when you hear it, I'm not saying it all sounds alike, but there's, as soon as you hear it, you can hear it. It's like when you hear Bach, you know it's Bach. You hear Beethoven, you know it's Beethoven. Same thing with Jerry Goldsmith. When you hear it, there's a certain ebb and a flow to his music, and it's great stuff. Did you like it, Mark? Yeah, I, I, I didn't really notice it that much because it had that signature Jerry Goldsmith, so it just, I've heard it. I don't want to say I've heard it before, but like you said, I know the themes. He's very good at these types of adventure movies. And as I think I mentioned pre-show to you, it, when you mentioned Jerry Goldsmith and him doing the music and 13th Warrior, it also struck, struck my memory. Um, it also reminded me of Wind and the Lion. And he did that music too. He, he's very good at that type of, uh, adventure soundtrack. Nothing groundbreaking, but enjoyable. Right. Ken, any thoughts on uh, soundtrack? Ditto. Ditto. All right. All right, folks, that is it with um, uh, the checklist and soundtrack. So we are going to move on to the uh, Man Cave movie review of this uh, great and fantastic film. Close it out, Steve. It's your movie. Thanks. Uh, I was going to say, I don't. If, if you guys don't mind, I would like to close this one out. Folks, I really like this movie. Uh, if you can't tell... It's one of my favorites. It's a lot of fun. It's, it's again, one of those things that you don't take, you know, real seriously. If you like the, uh, the Indiana Jones movies, you know, one, two, and three, you'll love this movie. It's in that same genre. It's got a little bit of that same feel. This one's got probably a lot more humor. And I, and when I say humor, I'm not talking comedy. It's more of just situational humor, the one-liners, a lot of the clips that you heard. Uh, kind of give you that, that feel for what this kind of, you know, the, the type of comedy that I'm, I'm getting at. 
but it is a solid, great action adventure movie. A lot of gunfire, a lot of action, just an all around good fun movie. I really enjoyed this one. I was really excited when the sequels came out, or I should say the first sequel came out. Was really disappointed. I, they just, I, I, I don't know what they were thinking, but, uh, evidently they were thinking enough that they made enough on that one. They made a third one, which I've never seen. Probably never will because for those reasons, but you know, this one, this movie's a gem. This movie really is a gem. I had a great time with it. I like it enough. I'm going to say this is a nine. I, I like the era. I like everything about it, the look, the feel, the music. Everything kind of clicked with this movie. So for me, this movie's a nine. I enjoyed it that much. Ken, yeah. any final yeah. thoughts? Yeah. As someone who just saw this for the first time yesterday, I can't quite get into Steve's shoes. Uh, I'm gonna, I would give it a solid seven. I mean, I like it. It's a solid movie. To me, it was kind of cartoonish, and parts of it, for me, feel kind of dated. Maybe that's just the fact that I'm watching it now, and I didn't see it back there, you know, what, 14, 15 years ago when you guys saw it, when it was new and fresh and everything else. I'm comparing it, I'm comparing it to what's out there today, and I'm, I'm not as taken with it. It's good. I'm, and please listeners, if you haven't seen it, watch it. It's entertaining. I mean, you're not, I'm not going to give it a bad review, but I, I can't give it a nine. No, I understand. I, I mean, it's not that type of movie for some people. It's just one of those, when I say I give it a nine, and my thing is, I don't give it a nine because I think, oh, it's like one of the greatest action movies ever. I give it a nine because if it's one of those movies where I'm like cleaning the house or whatever and it pops on TV, I'll stop cleaning and I'll sit and watch it because. I, I understand. Yeah. It's not, I, I, I'm probably in the same boat. What is this? Just popped up on TV. I mean, to oh, me, they've never. been they they ran it heavy on AMC last month. They did or TNT or TBS. Yeah, it was running all the time last month on one of those cable stations. Yep, you couldn't turn around without it not being on. If it was on, I would sit down and watch it again. And I'll I'll go in between the two of you and I'll give it an eight because I like the period, I like the genre, I really like Brendan Fraser. It, it's a fun Johnny Quests kind of movie. To our listeners, if you like adventure movies, you'll love it. Oh yeah, absolutely. If you like the, if you like the Indiana Jones movies, go see it. You're not going to be disappointed. Right. Trust me. Right. Fun stuff. Yeah. yeah. And if you don't like it, if you want a refund on your, uh, your movie rental, uh, just contact Jeff Muncie and he'll <laughs> be happy to reimburse you for your, the cost of your, uh, uh movie rental. There you go. All right, folks, that is it. That is the Man Cave Movie Review of this great and fantastic film. That is it for Man Cave Movie Review, episode 106. Check us out on our website at mancavemoviereview.com and look for us on iTunes at Man Cave Movie Review and leave us a comment and tell us if you like the show or didn't like it. And we're also on Stitcher. So follow us there and check us out and leave us a review. And you can also follow us on Twitter at Man Cave Movie. So until then, I am your host. Steve Michaels, signing off with my very good and dear friend, Mark. Your strength gives me strength slower. We're out the door, we're down the hall, and we're gone. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Very well done. Uh, Let's see. And also saying farewell, adieu, and auf Wiedersehen is our other very good and dear friend, Ken. I don't like cats. Roni. 
This movie would have been improved if, but towards the final scene, Ash appeared saying, Clatu Verecto Necto. <laughs> I spoke your damn words. <laughs> Don't you agree? You're right. Uh, with the chainsaw? Awesome. And, and again, you know, what? bunch of primitive screwheads running around. He knows how to handle that. Bruce Campbell should have had a cameo in this movie. He oh should have. God. <laughs> he could have. That, that would have been a 10 yeah. right there. <laughs> Bruce Campbell should have been in this movie. All right. On behalf of our other very good dear friend, Jeff, you little stinkweed, Muncie, the guys here are saying farewell and adieu on his behalf. And we wish him the very best of luck on his uh, Cub Scout camp out. And we really hope he finally finishes off that tenderfoot batch that he's been working on for 30 years. So, Jeff, we're with you. We're behind you. Yep. Way behind you. We're All right, folks, food. that's it. We uh, hope you enjoyed the show. Until next week, ciao. here we go we got we are recording we are five by five everything everything sounds good all right and three two one all right folks welcome to the man cave movie review the podcast that reviews the good the bad and the ugly of movies for men this is episode 106 and today we're going to be talking about the mummy this great and fantastic film stars brendan Fraser, jonathan carnahan Actually, did I spell his name right? I don't think actually his name. I think that's his name in the damn movie. I probably screwed that up. You did. I did. His name is John. Yeah. You did screw that up. (laughs) I wrote the wrong goddamn name down. (laughs) Why, yes. Oh, shit. Why, yes, you did. There's the blooper reel. Why, (laughs) yes, you did that one up. His name's John Hanna. His character is Jonathan Carnahan, but bravo. Oh. <laughs> go get Ken. Nice job, dumbass. Oh, there we go. There we go, folks. That's uh, okay. Michael's out. <laughs>